And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. Todd says hi. And we're working on uh, we're working on a couple of things so Todd can tell you what he thinks. <laughs> we are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hutt. I'm the editor here at SciFiForMe.com where we post news and reviews. And you can see this program live. We are broadcasting right now to YouTube, Twitch, Odyssey, Rumble, Kick. And YouTube's giving me a bitrate warning again, so we may get some some buffering. I got to check that. Because what YouTube's telling me is at odds with what OBS tells me, so I got to I got to figure that out. This show is also available as a podcast if you want to listen to us instead of watch us. That's fine too. We have people listening all over the world on all sorts of different podcast platforms. And if you are here with us live, the chat is open. You can also leave a comment. You can uh, send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. You can get us on all the social media. <clears throat> and there's the Discord. So all of that, all of that out of the way. Let's go. Now, uh, programming note. Today's show is only going to be two hours long. We are not going to do open line today because uh, I have to uh, transport the youngling to uh, to the bone and joint clinic. So we're gonna we're gonna be uh, doing a doctor's appointment today. Hey, he's he's okay, uh, but uh, we're gonna have to cut this show short in order to 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 do that. So no open line today, but we will uh, be on the regular uh, cycle tomorrow. So there it is. There's there's my first. Okay, we're not even five minutes into the show, and I'm already fighting my chair. Uh. Anybody wants to send me a chair? <laughs> okay, so um, today on the program, Paul DeGarabedian will be joining us in the next hour to talk about box office. There's a lot. I was making a list of the genre films that are coming out this year. In the first quarter alone, it's a packed schedule and it and and there's no marvel in sight i mean we got the we got the deadpool movie coming but there's a lot of stuff coming that's you know science fiction fantasy horror and not too much in the way of of uh, superhero stuff so uh it's uh, gonna be interesting year but we're gonna be talking about that uh in in the second hour i want to start and Mrs. Boss, I want to get your opinion on this as well, because, uh, well, before before we do that, let me start say hi to everybody. We got Cam in the chat. We got Keely over there. We got Matuine. I see Weatherman. I see Dave. Good to see all of you. Um, let me let me start with this uh, post. A, a lot of stuff. A lot of discussion over on social media <coughs> the last couple of days about actress Erin Moriarty. 
Uh, Aaron Moriarty has uh, taken the step of uh, doing some plastics. Mrs. Boss, I'll gotta, I'm going to pop that up there on that screen so you can see. Uh, so here's a comparison between the two. Erin Moriarty, for those of you who don't know, she is part of the, the cast from The Boys. And this is what she used to look like. Girl Next Door, which is, which is essentially what the character is supposed to be like. Starlight is the, is the name of the character she plays on The Boys. And she's fairly attractive in you know in a in a girl next door type of way, wholesome, not not you know overly done. Do what? She reminds me of uh, what's her name? Sookie. Who? So- True Blood. Uh, Anna, Anna Paquin. Uh, yeah, yeah her maybe. Face. Yeah, I kind of can Younger. maybe see it. Not so much anymore. This is what she looks like now. She's trying to be Coco, who is uh, Ice T's wife. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, lip filler, certainly, but it looks like that she has fallen victim to the to the the, the buccal fat surgery thing. The buccal fat remover, buccal fat removal. This is the she's fat that's got, in the cheeks. Yeah, she's got the cheek thing and, going on with the yeah. cheekbones there. I mean, and there's a little bit of makeup that's helping with that, but, but she little d- bit. doesn't even look like the same person. She lost her baby fat. She doesn't even look like the same person. She why, lost her baby fat, folks. Why? Why are we doing this? Why is this a thing? I I, I understand this is a trend. I've seen a lot of a lot of of people in Hollywood who have been doing this the last couple of years. Why? It makes no sense to me at all that you would do this to yourself. I mean... Well, if she's trying to get away from her tr- getting... I don't know what else she's done, okay? But like you said, she's got the girl next door, that type of look. Yeah. And depending on how old she is, she may not want to wait till she's in her... 40s to get the defined chin that a yeah, lot of the older actresses tend to get once their baby fat goes. I mean, look at what's her name from um, Firefly and Stargate Atlantis. Uh, what's her name? Oh, uh, Jewel State. Yeah, I mean, she. Yeah, all but Jewel State the, still looks like Jewel State. She still looks like Jewel State, but she's managed as she has gotten older to lose the baby fat roundness that her face and body has. I mean, and look at her now. You're just like, dang, yeah, what happened, woman? she still looks like... No, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying she doesn't look like her. I'm just saying that with age, you see actresses start beginning to get that <laughs> definition in their faces and in their bodies. You know, we may talk about wrinkles and crow's feet and, like, she's got the indentation starting there with her yeah. cheeks, but a lot of them are not waiting until maturity hits to lose that innocent, baby fat, young look. I'm really, you know, surprised that you have actresses like, um, I mean, look at Selena Gomez. Yeah, and it does look like she's gotten her nose done too. Yeah, I mean, look at Selena Gomez. She's in her 30s and she still has the baby fat look. 
But then you look at America Ferrera, who, when she was on Ugly Betty, she had looked at one way. Now look at her. Yeah. And yeah, she's in her 40s. And a lot of but, people don't realize that. Because yeah, I was about she to looks, say. She's, she looks so young. Yeah, and that was that show. That show was what, tw- a lot 10, of times 10, 15 ago. years ago. But or? you sit there and you see it, and the actresses these days—they are not waiting for nature and maturity to happen. They go in and do this because they think it's going to help their career. I I don't see. I look at this. I don't see. Even if she matured past the past the point of this look where she loses some of the baby fat in her face and some of the stuff that's this is not this is not where that goes no she's got the michael jackson nose starting and i mean look at uh from back in the day with uh 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 oc um one of the uh one of the Oh, one of the reality shows that took place in Southern California, and you had the pair who ended up getting married and stuff, but she ended up going and getting a million and one different types of plastic surgeries done, oh, and she yes. really um, ended up regretting it, and you see how different she looks. Crap, I can't remember look, her name. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, and then you sit there and you look at um, Ashley Simpson, and she got her nose fixed, and how different she looked, and how, what type of backlash she got. Yeah. Well, Instead and Dave, Dave mentioned Jennifer normal. Gray. Uh, Jennifer yeah. Gray did getting her nose, but, but Jennifer Gray only did her nose, as far as I know. She only did and her it, nose, and, and she did even change. Said that she didn't. What you look like? She kind of regrets doing that because all of a sudden, nobody knew who she was. Yeah, Matt Tween says that pinched narrow nose is unattractive. What 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 gets me about this this nose construction? She is, could join the Jackson family. I don't understand the the need for the nose to go up at the bottom. Why 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 are we doing that? The nose the nose is now this way. It's like it's it reminds me of the penguin. Yeah, you know, it's got that. It's it's, it's 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 the ski jump. Yeah, I mean, seriously, if you're gonna sit there and try to look better, and you want to sit there and make <coughs> it look like you're supposed to be that, go for uh, what do they call it? The the widow's peak or no the cru- the the little V at the top of your forehead. That's a widow's peak. Okay, widow's yeah. peak because that's supposed to be a natural sign of beauty. See, okay. Now, the fact the fact that Mrs. Boss had to ask about what a widow's peak is clearly indicates that she is not a big huge Dracula fan. Because if you're going if at least I understand what it's supposed to be for women. I guess I don't know. Did Meg Ryan Road, Road Vagabond Live mentions Meg Ryan? Did Meg Ryan get work done? Oh, have you Did not she? seen the pictures of her lately? No, oh, I haven't. I haven't been paying attention. Had, she is not what she used to look like, and I'm not saying it in a completely hundred percent bad way. But she just does not look like the way she's supposed yeah. to look like. But my my question now is if this is what she looked like when she's playing Starlight, Girl Next Door superhero, and this is what she looks like now. Now, she again... She looks like she should be a villain. I don't know 
because lip filler being what it is and Botox being what it is, I, I, I'm given to understand, because I haven't done this myself, I don't know anything about this, but I would, I would think, I want to say that, that some of this might relax and loosen up a little bit. Her lips may not stay that big no, they th- will. for a long, will they? Yeah. This is this is permanent. This is what she looks like now. The all only the time. thing that's not going to be permanent, I'm going to guess, is that if she's Botox will wear down and let things loose, and that would be probably more for anything with the forehead, I would say, or anything around her eyes. But yeah. she's too young to have eye issues. But what does this do to what does what I I'm curious if this affects her performance in the boys because this is a drastic change in her appearance and it's almost like we've recast the character now with a different actress because this doesn't look like Erin Moriarty and I'm wondering what the production is going to think about all of this. (laughs) She'd have a better chance getting a a role in a... I I mean... You know where I'm going with that one. This is an OnlyFans precursor here uh, of course OnlyFans is is trying to shift away from all of the all of the explicit stuff but <clears throat> Matuin said instead of looking attractive and unique she now looks like everyone else who does this transformation Pretty and much. that's and that's true that's true this is uh this is sad to see it's, I mean it's rare to find someone who can sit and get that done and still look halfway decent yeah I mean you remember we because we were talking yesterday about What's what's mid, right? Because we were talking about, you know, what everybody nowadays are talking about. Oh, she's she's mid. She's a six. Erin Moriarty pre-surgery. I I would put her in seven or eight out of ten. I mean, she's she's attractive. She's cute, attractive. She's what late twenties or special. Now, I mean. It's like when you this is more there. of a six, a five or a six than the other than than what she looked like before. Well, it's like what you know. You sit there and you laugh because you get all these teenagers who want to be individuals and be themselves and all this. Yet they all look the same. Yeah. And this is where she's just gone. Yeah, it's bandwagon. She stuff. looks the same. It's sad. It's sad. I don't know. Anyway, all right. <coughs> there. <laughs> that's just. Uh, now that we're finished woman bashing, well, it's it's not, but it's not it's, the same. I mean, it not. happens with the guys. I mean, look at uh, what's his name who was in. Um, Keila says pre-surgery. She's an eight. What What's his name who was in Iron Man and he was in Kill Bill Two. Uh, who was the bad guy in Iron Man Two? Was it two? Oh, uh, the guy who played Justin Hammer? Um, uh, the Russian. The Russian? Oh, 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 Mickey Rourke. Yes, him. I mean, look at men do bad things, too. Well. I was actually okay, thinking. That's, I was looking that's at not a, a great example because Mickey Rourke has been through some stuff. Yeah, I know. Well, okay, so I was looking at the picture that they had for... Um, Barry Manilow, 
a recent picture. Yeah. And how smooth and soft in his face is. And I was thinking to myself, if they were ever to do a reboot of Deep Space Nine, he could probably play Otto without getting too much extra stuff on him. You mean Odo? Odo, I mean. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm... But he could play him without getting too having too many too much prosthetics. Yeah. Used. By the way, speaking of casting, did you see? Did you see? Did y'all see? We're gonna get a Richard Simmons biopic, and Paulie Shore, Shore is gonna play Richard Simmons. <laughs> He's got the hair. Well, I, they you know variety or is a deadline or variety. Somebody had a had had the side by side photographs, and I'm like, ah, I can see it. I oddly oh, enough, I didn't even have to see a picture yeah. to see that one. Yeah, Polly Shore That's is going to play Richard Simmons. I mean, it's right <laughs> up. It's 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 one of those ones where okay, I'm going to be watching this. It's like when they cast uh, Daniel Radcliffe to play Weird, Weird Al. Al. You're just like, what? Really? What? Well, okay. <laughs> Again, weird weird example because that's clearly. You know, the idea of Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al plays into the, the spoof parody aspects of all of that. And that is know, a movie you really cast. need to see. I I, I I I get to pick one year. Uh, Mazurus gives us $10 super chat. Thank you very much, sir. And I don't see anything in the message. I don't know. Let's see. Let me just double check and make sure. Oh, it was a, it was a, a, a super. Was yeah. that a pair? Is that a pair? A super something? A super sticker. $10 super sticker. That That's a pair, right? Mm. A pair with a cape? Maybe. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you. So this this app that I'm using for uh, for the for the chat. Let me let me show you what it looks like. This is it, and I can I can pull up from all of the different places where we've got stuff, and it will show me. It actually will pull in emojis, which is something that Streamyard won't do. But I guess it still doesn't like super stickers. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a flying pair. Says Keith. Uh, Road Vagabond Life says I've never met a single person who said I'd like to see a movie about the life of Richard Simmons. Oh come on! There, well, see, because there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not he's even still alive. I remember there was some discussion at one point. It's like, where did Richard Simmons go? And he is still alive. He's one of the weird men but, in the world who can get away with wearing super weird shorts like he does, and you know the tank tops that most guys wear that are like trying to show off their muscles here in the Midwest. That I'm not a fan of, but anyway. Uh-huh. And he's he's just always happy. And he wants you to feel I mean, he's like the overactive um oh lord. Who's a happy tree guy? My brain happy is tree hurting. guy. You mean Ross? Bob. Bob Ross? Okay, he's like the overactive physical Bob Ross because he takes those happy little trees and turns them into endorphins and helps you lose weight at the same time. I'm do we do? Should we? Should we do a? Uh, should we do a, a an exercise video with Todd? <laughs> Camp says prefer the mighty brush guy. I mean, we could do. I I downloaded some. I, I downloaded some meditation and ambience uh, tracks for for our meditations. He's still with Todd. sitting around naked. 
Time, we'll call it Time Out with Tide. That's what we'll do. We'll call it Time Out with Tide. <laughs> right? Maybe. Daily dose of dog, Time Out with Tide. What See, next? We need to, that's what we need to do. We need to build some of these segments. We'll have a Time Out with Tide. And we can actually take some of these, uh, some of these photos that we shot with Tide um, and put uh put you know, some some music to it like you know here's Todd here's Todd of Vasquez rocks with Spock and Kirk and yeah <laughs> Cam's right look at how Chicken City worked for Tim Pool that is true Time Out with Todd could be our Chicken City I I'm I'm perfectly <laughs> back in two minutes Todd Cam that we could do it we could do it. Uh, Keely says, speaking of Bob Ross, Justin Proper has two Bob Rosses doing something naughty. To oh, well, we don't need to see that. I should see what Chicken City's up to. Yeah, well, you should, because our numbers have been doing pretty well. Thank you very much. I'm very excited about that. <clears throat> uh, and, and I guess, I guess... I it doesn't look like anybody's watching over on Twitch or Kick, so we may we may not continue over there. But it does look like we got people watching on Odyssey and Rumble too, so that's good. All right. Um, speaking of a new look, here's some news that broke uh, today, and we've been speculating about this since we got news that it was actually happening in Japan. Godzilla Minus One in black and white is going to have a U.S. theatrical run. Now, we heard earlier in the year uh, that Godzilla Minus One was going to get a black and white release in Japan. But this is, this is now breaking that we're going to get it here in the U.S. as well. And there's the poster there, Godzilla Minus One slash Minus Color. Um Toho International. So that's what it's going to be called. Godzilla Minus One Minus Color in U.S. theaters starting Friday, January 26th. Both versions of the film will end their theatrical run on February 1st. So the black and white version is not going to be in here for very long. So uh, make your plans accordingly. That's just three days after the youngling turns 22. So maybe that's a birthday present. Maybe. Maybe. Hey, junior, junior office boss. He was he was in the doorway for a minute. I don't know where he went. Yo, come here. Uh, I moved the mic. Yeah. And right now, Chicken City has twenty-two viewers. Twenty-two viewers. We well, can do we this. got we got nine. We got nine We're on YouTube. We're almost halfway there. We got nine on YouTube. We got the two on Odyssey. We got two on Rumble. I mean, that's that. Come on, guys. That we we need more than that. Go share the link. So we have. So we have this. Uh, the the director Taka, uh, Takashi Yamazaki says, "I was very happy that the North American audience embraced Godzilla minus one, and now I'm very pleased to be able to release a black and white version for North America as well. Godzilla minus one minus color will bring a new and visceral experience to audiences." The remastering process, he said, uh, was a complex process, and the black and white gives the film and the monster a realistic, oh documentary-like yeah, feel. That's scarier than color. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Me too. Ju ju junior office boss. Um, I don't know. We got to. We, we got no, you in there on a. You guys can share. Zone. 
Oh, you're going to come over here. Well, you could. You can yeah. love each other. Or you can sit with Todd. <coughs> yeah, you could sit with Todd. Sit with Todd. Uh, okay, so uh, Godzilla minus one minus color yeah. is going to be in theaters uh, January the 26th, which is three days after your birthday. So that's your birthday present. How's that? Okay, cool. I mean, we can give you a mic. If you want to sit with Todd, we'll give you a mic from you. Too. Uh, okay, well, then go sit over there. No, there's a couch over there. I don't have a microphone set up for you, so I didn't plan for you to be there. So sit over there. Anyway, all right. So Godzilla Minus One Minus Color uh, is, uh, is getting a theatrical release in North America, which is very good news. Uh, for all of us who were big fans and got very ex- it uh, got very excited about the, the prospect of a black and white. Uh, Michael says, "How about Todd hosting a show on April first? Put a mo- <laughs> put a motor in the jaw or in the arm so you can wave or talk." Hey, there we go. Um, are are we taking Todd to the Bone Doctor too? No. Uh, although I do need to, I do need to repair his leg. His yeah, leg is broken. Foot. Yeah, we gotta fix we gotta fix the leg, we gotta fix the foot, uh, and and get that done. All right, some casting news for Minecraft the movie starting star starring Jason Momoa. They're doing a movie. <laughs> they're doing a movie, he says. What? They're doing a movie? Yes, they're doing a Minecraft movie. Oh, uh, a, a, they say that a, that a Todd stream would be better than Az's chair doing a live stream by itself. Well, Az has done a chair stream. Ethan's done a chair stream. I guess I could do a chair stream, but we could put Todd here in the chair and just do a Todd stream. Yes, sir. You can take a note out of Craig Ferguson's book. Craig Ferguson? Oh, Jeff? Jeff, Jeff from Craig Ferguson's show? Sure. All right, so uh, so Jennifer Coolidge has been added to this to the cast. Uh, I guess uh, I guess she's run out of that sweet sweet Discover card money. Uh, straight off her second primetime Emmy win for HBO's The White Lotus, Jennifer Coolidge is boarding Warner Brothers Vertigo Legendary's feature take of video game Minecraft, which is shooting in New Zealand. She joins the posse already in place for the big screen take of the Mojang Microsoft game, which counts Jason Momoa, Jack Black, Emma Myers, Danielle Brooks, and Sebastian Eugene Hansen. Jared Hess directs the legendary co-finance production, which is also from Momoa's On the Roam. So now they go through all of the different producers. There's still, folks, Hollywood, you got too many producers in your projects. Um, So there you go. Jennifer Coolidge. In the Minecraft movie. Wait, they, you said they're filming? Yeah. They're not doing the animation? No, it's a, it's a live-action Minecraft movie. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. That's All right. It froze. What if? What froze? Did, uh, did, did uh, Rumble freeze? What froze? Odyssey or Rumble? Where, where are we frozen? Where are we frozen? Okay, I, I'm, I'm seeing... Uh, Maybe it was just a hiccup. Hopefully, Maybe it was just I'm a hiccup. Still working over on YouTube. All right, all right. Froze here because Road Vag- Road Vagabond Life usually usually watches on Odyssey, and and he said it was frozen, but it's it's working for me. Um, I don't know. Maybe refresh. I'm not sure. All right. So there's that. 
also we have a new in uh, a new animated series coming and i'm not sure what i think about this i'm really not sure what i think about this this is this is deadline build a bear characters inspire animated series kabu Based on Kawaii culture, Mike Mariano among the writing team. That's the uh, that's the article. That's the headline. Build a Bear's stuffed animal characters have inspired development of animated series Kabo. Build a Bear Entertainment, Foundation Media Partners, and Montreal tune maker Laughing Dragon Studios are working up a ten-part show aimed at seven to eleven kids years old and release an exclusive first look at the upcoming Kids Screen Summit. Have we heard of the Kids Screen Summit? Should we have that on our event list? <coughs> maybe we should maybe we should take a look at that. By the way, folks, our our event list is now uh, over 2700 different individual conventions worldwide. Comic-Cons, Comic book cons, horror cons, video game cons, cosplay cons, furry cons, uh, Minecraft cons, gaming conventions, Magic the Gathering events, all sorts of things. 2,700 and counting. Thank you very much. It is the biggest list on the internet. Dave said to my super chat, oh, yes, hey, I, I I almost missed it, Dave. Thanks very much. Uh, a, a $5 super chat, well, $4.99 super chat. Here's to going us the giving us the view from the bunker again. Good to have Mrs. Boss and you back. Well, thank you very much. I do appreciate that a lot. And the numbers bear out that I guess people missed us some. <coughs> so... Uh, Cam says, I like big lists, and I cannot lie. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, a Build-A-Bear series, a Build-A-Bear animated series. Mike Mariano, writer and producer on network sitcoms such as Raising Hope and My Name is Earl, writing alongside Drew Gormley from Family Guy, Claire Ross Dunn from Degrassi, The Next Generation, uh, Build-A-Bear President and CEO Sharon Price-John and Foundation Media CEO Patrick Hughes, executive producing the series. The show is billed as a stylized, colorful new offering with a fun ensemble cast of a variety of stuffed animal friends with the creative influenced by the popularity of kawaii styling and each episode utilizing an entertaining, sometimes wacky way of exploring concepts ranging from creative problem-solving to friendship, where the viewer goes on adventures with the cadre of critters who learn that working together and staying positive leads to the best result. Okay. Uh, yes? Can you answer your opinion? Sure, you can answer your opinion. Of course, it would be better if you had a microphone, which you don't, but I, I don't know where, where one would be right now. Yes, you want to... I'm guessing these are kids who grew up on Care Bears and they couldn't get the rights for it, so they went with the next best thing. Oh, well, well, no, Build-A-Bear Build Bear is part of the show. I mean, it's their, it's their thing. No, no, I know, yeah. but this sounds like Care Bears. Sounds like Care Bears? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of does. What is Kawhi? Uh This is... Um, 
It's not that. It's not that kind of thing. Kawaii is an animation style. It's not a. Oh, uh, Ke- Keely said he missed us, Mindy. Uh, Weatherman, is this made for five-year-olds? No, according to this, it's made for seven to eleven-year-olds. Um, which actually, which actually, you know, it kind of uh, it kind of says something when something that you would expect to be for for toddlers. For preschool and early elementary age, is actually being geared toward kids that are older than that. Um, have we have we gotten? Kawhi looks like chibi style. Oh, oh, my eyes, my eyes. I'm not gonna. Uh, it is Kawhi the next Cal Arts. I hope not. By the way, everybody, I'm just gonna sit there and put this out. While we were out in Southern California, just down the street from Vasquez Rocks, besides where I used to live, is Cal Arts. And I did offer Mr. Boss to do a drive-by egging. And he said no. No, no, we we didn't. I I wanted to get out of California. As quickly as possible. Funny story. We go through the chart we go through Checkpoint Charlie, and I understand why Checkpoint Charlie is there. We had conversations about this and it's explained to me why Checkpoint Charlie exists in California. But still when they actually go through Checkpoint Charlie. I wanted to get out of California as quickly as possible. So we're coming home from Vasquez Rocks and we had gone across the high desert so that we could avoid as much as of the you know, Inland Empire as possible for Mr. Boss's sanity. And as we are getting a few miles away from where Pear Blossom comes to an end over at uh, Interstate 15, which is coming from, you know, like Vegas and stuff down into down to San Diego. But anyway, as we're coming up to that and, you know, we're in stop and go traffic already because we're having to get down to a lane so that we can all get onto the highway. I point to, out to Mr. Boss, you see that line out there of red and white? That's 15, which is the interstate. And he just kind of looks and he is just like, oh my lord, because it's not something you normally see here at all. And I'm like, do you better understand why I laugh at the traffic here in Kansas City? Because what you're seeing ahead of us is normal around here. So those pictures that you see in Los Angeles of, you know, a you know, 16-lane highway at stop-and-go, white and red lights, that's what he got to f- see and experience. And he was trying to take a picture of it, but he's just like, the camera doesn't do it justice. I, he just, he could not believe what he was seeing. And I'm just kind of chuckling. And I was telling my mom about it, and she was kind of chuckling as well. <laughs> it was an eye-opener for him. <laughs> A little bit. I mean, I'm just... Uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, I don't... I, I think I even asked you, does Dallas get like that? <laughs> Because <laughs> I've never seen Ke- Dallas Keely as says, bad as Keely that. says, at least you don't live in California, because if you did, you'd end up like Gary. I I don't know that I would get as far as, as Gary did with his uh, uh, with his uh, history. 
Uh, Michael says, I want a horror or action Build-A-Bear series. If it's rated TVMA, we can graphically display when a bear gets the stuffing beat out of him. <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. Wait, can we have a mashup between Godzilla and Build-A-Bear? All right, Cam says he's having trouble hearing me. I, I was not completely on the microphone. My apologies here, folks, because... We're making an adjustment here so that uh, why don't why don't you sit with Todd? So because there's an actual camera on Todd. I mean, might as well if you're going to be here. Uh, speaking of which, in 2024, and we'll be talking about this with Paul in 2024, we are getting Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. So that is coming. A you know, Mickey Mouse one now that it's public domain or well, maybe Steamboat Willie is. That's going to be interesting to see what actually happens with that because uh, it, Ste Steamboat Willie, Mickey Mouse is in the public domain, but the the other the other stuff Mickey Mickey Mouse it is not. So we'll right. have to we'll have to see because on that the color scheme too is like. I think some people have already been like copyright struck, struck, strike. No, struck, struck. Yep. Um, because it's still the Disney Mickey Mouse. And also, one of my questions is: Was he named Mickey Mouse in the original short? Um. And would that also include Pete the Cat? Yeah, everything that's in Steamboat Willie, that is okay, in the public but, domain. But I just can't remember if they were named in that. I don't remember. Hmm. I'm not sure. There's there's some question as to whether or not uh, Mickey uh, is still going to be protected somehow in the Steamboat Willie iteration because it's used for the the more um, Disney Animation logo yeah. sequence. So so we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, Keely says there seriously needs to be a Winnie the Pooh stoner comedy. <laughs> oh, but that's perfect. Uh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm in the mood for food. Go that way, because oh. the camera... Uh, yeah. I, See, that way you're kind of just hovering there over my shoulder, and you can just... Uh, anyway. All right. So, by the way, there is James, the 22-year-old, uh, in a sling. Yeah. Yeah. I've taken a note out of Mrs. Boss's book. Well, see, now I asked... <laughs> I asked if we needed to reset the clock... Um, because technically you're not on staff here, so I didn't know if it would count as as being part of a workplace incident count or not. But I'm I'm starting to think that maybe, uh, maybe I should, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should count this. What was that? Something to worry about later. Well, did you drop my your phone? property? Did so you drop your phone. You don't have to worry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, some other news here. Uh, this is Hollywood Reporter. Amazon MGM Studios plans Toronto production hub with five stages leased from Pinewood Group. Um, and this leads me to some speculation I'm going to get into it here in just a second. This is uh, from today. <clears throat> Itan Vlessing, the author of this article, Amazon MGM Studios has signed a lease for 160,000 square feet of new sound stages and office space at Pinewood Toronto Studios, 
to establish a Canadian production hub. Amazon has had a presence in Canada since 2015, and Prime Video is home to shows like Reacher and The Boys, both of which are shot in and around Toronto. The deal with Pinewood, Pinewood Group marks the major studio's first long-term commitment for Canadian studio space as Amazon MGM Studios raises its game in Hollywood's content arms race. Bum, bum, bum. Amazon MGM Studios will secure exclusive use of five new sound stages alongside workshops and office space that totals 160,000 square feet. Now, here's my question. Hey, Mrs. Boss, uh, uh, let me let me get you uh, percolating and thinking on this, too. <clears throat> Stop and consider that Canyonadia has been the location for a number of science fiction projects that have been various different series that have been shot over the years. And Amazon MGM now owns a franchise, a science fiction franchise, that has yet to be revived despite the fact that people keep talking about when is it coming back. Could it be that Amazon MGM Studios has rented out this office space, studio space in Canyonadia in order to bring back Stargate? No. It's probably Warhammer. Well, that could be too. It could be a war. I don't. I don't. As much as I would love to see Stargate come back, even though I haven't seen the show, I've seen the movie. I love it. Probably going to be for Henry Cavill. It could. Well, why not both? I mean, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. It's true. And but Michael, Amazon, says, Michael says more Canadian TV. Paul Chato can finally get some work and get out of streaming. I don't think Paul is. I, yeah, Paul still lives in Canada. I think. Yeah. What were, you, what were you starting to say? Sorry, I oh, cut no, you I'm off. I'm just saying, Prime's been kind of one of the best streaming services for, like, content. So, I'm... Um, I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to Wasn't seeing Lord what they're doing. Wasn't Lord of the doing. Rings on there? Uh, you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you bite your tongue. You know... You I'm know, just saying! I, you know, that microphone has a clip on it, right? You don't have to hold it. It's not really... Hook it to your. Just clip it. Just clip it to your shirt. Clip it. That's clip it to your sling. I mean, that's why I pointed. It's put it right there, and that way you don't have to hold on to it all day. Streaming one hundred and one, folks. Always have the microphone close to where people can hear you. And it was. And it was. Yes, it was. Has there been any talk? In anything you've seen in the last six months that you haven't paid attention to things on Stargate, I have not seen anything about Stargate. Now, now Paul uh, Paul Mazzoli, uh has has talked a little bit, and you know the 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 guys the guys who were in charge, Brad Wright has been trying to get something going for a while, and. There have been a couple of channels that cover Stargate that have been talking about just some rumors swirling about. There's just been some, you know, chatter under the radar that somebody was trying to make a, a, a Stargate revival happen. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't gone any further than that as far as I'm aware. I have not seen anything uh, that would indicate that they're moving forward on this. And it surprises me because, it, like like Dave says, Amazon's, Amazon has been looking at, okay, we bought MGM, what do we have? 
that that belongs to us. MGM, of course, home to James Bond. Don't forget. Um, but <coughs> what if they're taking a look at all this stuff and they go, oh, hey, hey, we got this little science fiction thing over here with the big donut. Uh, Weatherman wants a restart of Farscape. That's been that's been something that people have been talking about for a long time. And and and, and Rockney was Rockney has said they've been working on it. There's been there's been development work done on it, but it's never gone any further than that. And and it's it's another Sorry. opportunity. But but let me ask you this. All right, all, 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 everything, everything considered. There's the question. Yep. Do we need to? Because in this day and age, you know, there is a better than 50% chance. They'll screw it up. They'll screw it up because they'll sit there and say, what's reimagined for modern audiences. And that is a death note it, for these shows. Don't do it unless you do it right. And there's a very good, strong possibility that they, that they would do not it right. do it right. So just don't touch it. Right. Yeah, I mean, we've got so many shows and movies. I mean, at that yeah. point, I would yeah. rather them stick to AI-generated <coughs> scripts for the cast of SG-1 to sit around and read and laugh at. Because that's funnier than, and more entertaining than the stuff that they could put out on the screen. Uh huh. Mm. Yeah, I I just and don't touch Farscape. I mean, Farscape ended. It did well, and you know, yeah, I didn't have like okay. Well, here's SG One. Here's Atlantis. Here's Universe and stuff like that. But I I just Farscape ended, and that was that. And yeah, they had the final movie thing going on, which they were okay, but. Leave it be. Yeah. No, Farscape, Farscape should not come back. Well, and, it, and as much as I want to know I mean more with Scorpy and all that, yeah. and you know, uh, Keely, you Keely says, uh, Keely says, I hope the CW and Disney don't reboot Buffy. D- does Disney have? Does Disney have Buffy? Disney doesn't have CW, does it? No, or, CW. Wait. CW okay, is okay. now owned by Next Star. That's a that's a completely. Different um, thing. what was the production company of Buffy? Do you know? I. Well, no, now that I think about it, because Buffy was on the WB before it was on the CW, was it not? So that's Warner Brothers, which is not Disney. No, not yet. Okay, so. Now, Disney's Disney's, uh, not in in acquisition mode right now. They're in fire sale mode right now. So they're scrambling (laughs) because they got to pay for... Um, yep. They got to pay Chapin. for Hugh, 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 Hugh Lou and and Bob Iger's thirty one million dollars. No, that, that pay for Chef all Chapin. of the above. Yeah, Matuine says if they try to reboot the Greatest American Hero, I'm done. Guess what, Matuine? No, no. This was announced to be in development a long time ago. We even posted an article about it because it was going to be an inner city teacher. Oh yeah, and a reporter. Uh, as the two uh, lead characters, and I, this thing never went anywhere. Nope. Oh, I remember when you told me about that. Yeah, because and, it was and, when I first watched it, and yeah. we were still at the old bunker. Bunker so, 1.0. Yeah, 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 1.0. And God, that was before you got married. <laughs> yeah. So that's been 
Oh, that. Cam says Cam that. says Fox was the production company for Buffy. So Disney Disney has Buffy. Crap. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with him and say crap. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, I don't. I I have not seen anything lately on a Greatest American Hero. The last thing that I saw when that particular reboot with the with the inner city teacher fell apart about a year and a half. I want to say about a year and a half, two years later, there was chatter about another reboot in development with a female lead that would be a sequel not a reboot. So basically they would say, okay, the story continues that maybe they bring in William Cott play, to play Hinckley and mm. pass on pass on the, the, the costume to the next person to wear it. Which, if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. You hand it off and say, here you go. Uh, and you can give it to anybody. As long as the characters are written well, I mean that's the that's the thing, right? Because we all know what Hollywood's process is right now. Throw a woman in it, make it lame and gay. Right? Now, we have a woman in our show. But we we're not lame and gay. So Am I, I guess identifying we, as a woman today? You better be. <laughs> Should we talk about the cows identifying uh, as cows? That was such a weird. That's such a weird thing. Yeah, hang on just a second. Christopher says Beacon Twenty Three is a good sleeper sci-fi series on Amazon MGM, uh, basically set in a lighthouse in space. It's a murder mystery with AI. She good, is good. A Lena good Head. Actress. Lena Headey is in there. We're checking out, and it just got picked up for a. Uh, uh, it got renewed for a season, uh, season two. So that's going on. Um, Hellhound sets for franchises they keep ruining. That's. Uh, that is, uh, Hellhound's brand new uh, in the chat. I've not seen that name there before, so uh, he figured he would check it out. Thanks very much for being here. Are you all right back there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you do? No, I... Did you I, break it? No, I didn't break it. Wait. Good. Did you break it? You buy it. Did I break it? No, no I didn't. didn't I see green. It. All right. Anyway. <coughs> so that's what's been happening in all there. Um... Yeah, Michael says uh, there was a Greatest American Hero episode with previous suit owners. It's a, and, yeah, and and the idea was that it passes, it gets passed to the next person. What are you doing back there? Crack kills. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> I can't. I'm the evil stepmom. You're, yeah, you're the 13 year old boy over there. Like, <laughs> so I'm not identifying as a woman you, today. You, you'd better be. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's not go down this route. Uh, let's not. Let's not. Let's <laughs> not. It's not that kind of show. <laughs> somebody, somebody. Nope. I can't make that joke. No, you I can't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. I can make this show after hours real quick. No, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I won't. No, you can't. Love you. No, you can't. Yeah. yeah. Nice, right. Keely. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> see, see what I got to put up with around here? You see what I have to put up I'm with? I'm here like here? once a week. <laughs> You made 
the choice to get yourself into this. When we when we when we started when I started the show on Monday, I started the show on Monday <laughs> quoting the mindless philosopher C3PO. I said I'm going to regret this <laughs> and it only took 3 days. <laughs> So the best part of our road trip is, you know how many hours Mr. Boss was locked in the car with me? Oh, wait, can okay. I, can so I let's, add to let's that go back. Quick? Let's go back to, hang on, you, you hold that thought. Let's okay. go back to what you were talking about earlier with the signs. Because we went to Superman Canyon, and we visited the spot, and we have showed this before. We visited the spot where Lois Lane dies in Superman 78. This is where the car sinks into the ground in the, in the earthquake at the end. This is outside of Gallup, New Mexico. This is where Superman r- blows a gasket and goes to 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 wind up and and turn back time and save Lois. And this is where Jimmy Olsen runs up to him and is like, "Yeah, thanks for thanks for dropping me in the middle of nowhere in the middle of an earthquake." But this is Superman Canyon outside of Gallup, New Mexico. If you'll notice back there, you'll see cows. And for a long time prior to this, Mrs. Boss and I kept seeing these road signs, these yellow, the the yellow uh, offset square road sign that would have silhouettes warnings. of various different, you know, the warning signs that you see on the road. Deer Some with of them four deer, points, deer with elk, nine points. <laughs> and then there's the warning sign about a cow. <laughs> and we're like, okay, I guess we're looking up. We're, we're, I guess we're watching out for cows. And I, we'd seen cows on the side of the road. There are people that, you know, there's ranches out there. There's cows and whatnot. But the, and did we get a photograph of the warning sign? I don't think we did you, because I think you can find it online. The though. silhouette of the cow <laughs> raises some concern because it is out there in the middle of the desert where they were doing nuclear bomb tests. <laughs> But the the, Wait, the shape the shape of the cow on the warning sign, <laughs> it's clearly a cow. But it's a cow that doesn't know exactly what it is because the cow has udders, as as a female does, but also has horns like a bull does. So I'm They're like, is this a, is this a they're not this even a, big. It's not even like we're talking about longhorns or anything. Is it a herma- hermaphroditic bumps. cow? I mean, is it? It yeah. wasn't. No, I mean they were clearly horns on the cow. Well, no, no, no. But I'm Do saying female? they're little. They weren't huge. I'm looking for a picture. All right. Uh, I uh, want to say there is a species of cow that the females do have horns. Thank you. I, I well, think, maybe. I, I okay, but it was just such he a weird thing. Argued with me. It over was such that. a weird thing to see. It was like, wait a minute. Why does that cow have horns? If it's a cow and not a bull, a here's, bull has here's the horns. Thing. I I can't tell you what my sources are because I completely become not credible. So, trust me, bro. Is that no. Um, do you remember that animated movie Home on the Range? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I remember the movie Home on the Range. I'm pretty sure the lead had horns. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway. <sighs> okay. Here's here's a what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. <coughs> I already have. Yeah. 
<laughs> you have. You have. Uh, anyway, uh, Paul DeGarabedian is supposed to be joining us uh, next hour, so we're going to uh, we're gonna just kind of you know see see what we can see here. And uh, oh, Michael says that we call you the unpaid intern. Uh, so we can learn Muppetry from Snowdub. Uh, uh, okay. Muppetry um, from what? Well, Snowdub is a is a is a puppet character on another on another stream. He's a oh, he's okay. a modified Grover. Uh, so um, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. I'm not sure where Paul is yet, but we're going to do this. We're going to take a break. I'm and sending you a picture of the cow. We'll we'll be back. After this, folks, stand by. Live from the bunker, we'll be right back on Sci-Fi for Me Radio. So, um, <laughs> it's funny that you should ask that. It's a great question. That is an awesome question. When you need to know, count on Sci-Fi for Me to be there asking all of the questions. It's a good question. It's <laughs> a great question. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. I don't think I answered any of your questions. I'm bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. All right. Here we go. It is 2024, and we're back, and our first guest of the year is the Senior Media Analyst at Comscore. They look at box office, and we're going to be talking about box office numbers here. Paul DeGarabedian joins us once again. Welcome back, sir. Good to have Great you to here. Great to see you, Jason. How have you been? It's been the busiest. I mean, look, when when most and, you know, I'm not uh, angry about it at all, but when most people are <laughs> off during the holidays, the box office never sleeps. And it's been a crazy few weeks. We have so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start, but I'll let you, you know, you're driving. So I'll let oh. you fly the plane. Obviously. Well, well, here's the here's the thing that I'm that I'm wondering uh, about about some of this, because 2023 uh, had had quite a bit of box office performance because of Barbenheimer. We yes. crossed we crossed nine billion, I believe, is the number that I just saw. barely domestically crossed that nine billion threshold. And you were you were pretty uh, bullish about twenty twenty two crossing four billion, and mm-hmm. I think I think that because we had that conversation too. Yeah. Um, where do you think twenty twenty four goes? Wow. Well, okay. So this is the big ticket item. This is what everyone has been talking about. So since the pandemic, uh, you know, 2020 was two and a half billion, two and a half billion domestically after 11.4 billion in 2019. And, you know, then, like you said, and and then in 21, we went to four and a half billion. So that was a nice $2 billion increase. Uh, 2022 wound up at about seven and a half billion. So going that upward trend and then 2023 9.050 billion domestically according to our comscore data now the big question is 
Are we going to keep seeing that upward trajectory continue in 24? The jury is really out. There was a story in the Hollywood Reporter that said some think we won't even get to eight billion in 24, while others, unnamed, uh, think we could be at over eight billion and even closer to nine. But I mean, we need to set expectations realistically, <clears throat> while also keeping in mind that what could be the next Barbenheimer? You know, if we were sitting here a year ago, Jason, could you have predicted Sound of Freedom? Five Nights at Freddy's, Barbenheimer phenomenon. The Taylor Swift movie wasn't even on, it wasn't even announced yeah. until six weeks before it hit theaters. So I may be a little uh, Pollyanna-ish here, Pollyanna-ish, <laughs> uh, in thinking that we will do better than many think. But I, I wouldn't necessarily expect that we would beat 24, I mean, excuse me, 23 in 2024, but you never know. Nobody expected a $4 billion summer last year, but you know, the strikes and many films moving, most notably Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part Two into 2025. That's a big movie out of the mm -hmm. equation, but who knows what surprises are in store. Well, and I'm looking at the list for just the first quarter of 2024. Yeah. And there's a lot of genre uh, stuff in there. Uh, we've got ISS coming. We got Madam Web. We got Spider Man Across the Multiverse, which is the the two across the Spider Verse. Yeah. Those are yeah. those are essentially besides Deadpool. That's the only only thing coming from Marvel, and those are Sony. Right. And then you've got and we've got you're right, and we've got Ghostbusters and Dune Two, and uh, you know Godzilla versus or X Godzilla Kong. Kong. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla Kong. Guy. Um, you know, I'm most disappointed, though, that uh, Furiosa and Kingdom of the Planet of the, of the Apes are no longer opening on the same day. One of them moved. So, yeah, I think, I our, think our Apes, potential Barbenheimer. Apes moved two weeks out ahead of, yeah. of Furiosa. But how do you how do you mash those together? Uh, Fury Ape? Uh, Ape, 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 Ape Arosa? Ape Arosa? <laughs> but you're right. Furious Planet. A, there is a potential there from the marketing aspect uh, to try to duplicate Barbenheimer. But at the same time, if anybody tried to duplicate Barbenheimer, it would be looked at as exploitive. Oh, you're just being a copycat. Right. That, that whole well, thing felt, it felt organic. Um, and, and maybe a lot of that might've had to do with, with Tom Cruise getting out there going, go see all these movies. But yeah. you know, I don't think you could recapture that on purpose as much as it I just happened. I agree. That's what, that was a once in a lifetime kind of thing. And the name was perfect. The timing was perfect. It was organic. We still don't know if, uh, who created that. If AI did it, I don't know who, who created Barbenheimer. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was great for both films. It was great for theaters, great for movie going. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they tried Saw Patrol when Paw Patrol and Saw opened oh, against right. each other yeah. on the same weekend. There was another one that came up, but it all feels very forced and inorganic at this point. But it's still cool. It would have been cool if both those fit like a dystopian weekend, if you had had Furiosa and, and um, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes opening on Memorial Weekend. That yes. would have been cool. That would have been. That would have been. It's, it's a missed opportunity. Um, I think though it was too much of a head to head, like they're too similar maybe. And that's why one of them moved. Yeah. Well, and it could be the fact that Barbie and Oppenheimer was, were so diametrically opposed in tone 
Exactly. Uh, that that probably made that work because you have the counter programming aspect of it as well. You got it. That you yep. don't get with Apes and Furiosas. So that that may be what they were what they were looking at. Yeah. But I'm really you're, surprised you're, at you're how. Spot on. Yeah, I'm really surprised at how much we're not getting Marvel, but we've got a ton of stuff anyway. I mean, besides yeah. that, you got Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2 that's coming out in March. You got She is Conan, which is basically a female Conan the Barbarian remake. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Lisa Frankenstein, Skin Deep, uh, Monolith, uh, Camp Pleasant Lake. There's a lot of horror. You mentioned Ghostbusters, yeah. Frozen Empire, Godzilla yeah. X-Con. All of that's happening in the first in the first three months. Yeah, uh, and and I will give uh, passing mention to Air Force One is down because Cat uh, Cat McNamara is the lead on that one, and mm-hmm. she's uh, she was part of the Arrowverse, and uh, I've worked with her, and she's from Kansas City, so I'll yeah. I'll mention that. But it's no, it's an it's action great. picture, not science fiction. There's a right. lot of stuff now, with all of this stuff hitting theaters, some of it hitting streaming. How much? Do you think people are actually going to go to the theaters to see this stuff? Well, I I hope they do. I mean, this is the thing that that we get caught up in. How big will the box office be rather than are these going to be good movies? And not you and just the royal we, like yeah. the business yeah. is all about. You know, to me, I don't really give a, well, I can't say this on your show, <laughs> but I don't give a hoot about, uh, you know, about whether we get to 9 billion, 7 billion, 11 billion. What matters is, <clears throat> that we're filling theaters, that people are enjoying going to the movies, that there's goodwill being generated. We're seeing a bit of that right now with musicals having a moment. We'll get into that and anyone but you and all the We have so much, Jason, uh, this chock full of uh, information we have to talk about this, this segment. But um, yeah, I think it'll be cool if these movies deliver. And you know what? I don't think anyone necessarily, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, has a bias against a number after a title if the movie's good. Like, I don't, you know, you can have original IP that's terrible and you can have a sequel that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but I think for me, the movie that, I mean, Sound of Freedom certainly was a big one that signified, I think, a change in audience taste, especially in the summer, but also Five Nights at Freddy's, which for me, I mean, I guess I'm way too old to even, I didn't know what the hell that was. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. But it, it opened almost twice as big as the Marvels. Yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's with around 80 million in that opening weekend. Nobody saw that coming. Maybe some people did. Maybe the people, in, you know, it, it's sort of a horror movie. It's a sort of indefinable, but it was unique and different and audiences seem to love it. Well, and I saw a, a passing comment. I, I didn't even dig into the into the article. I should have. Sound of Freedom apparently hit a milestone here not too long ago. Uh, uh, box office numbers and and that sort of thing, comparative to uh, one of the bigger pictures. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it was the Marvels or if it, but it passed it passed in performance to some to some big thing that was supposed to do really well and didn't. Well, in the summer, domestically, if I'm remembering this correctly, it actually performed better than Indiana Jones and uh, Mission, Mission Impossible. Yeah. So that was a big one. But but also to defend the, those Mission Impossible and Indy, despite what many think, thought of Indy as a movie, that for a franchise that old to do that well is pretty impressive. But I think audiences are saying, if you're going to do that, you might want to Joker-fy it or Loganize it or, 
you know, turn it into something like take that genre and kind of turn it on its head and, and make it a little different to make it unique. Yeah. So it's, <clears throat> and we're seeing, you know, Mean Girls though comes out uh, a musical riff on the original. And also there was a Broadway musical as well. Open really strongly they leaned into the musical aspect of it which they kind of had to do based on the broadway play but there were other movies and we can get into whatever you want but i mean the musical aspect of wonka and the color purple was really downplayed well i want to ask you about that because when when we were talking about it six eight months ago and we were looking at all of these all of these box office disappointments like indiana jones and and marvels and and a bunch of others i have been saying for a long time and we've talked about this the studios need to be making smaller pictures 50 million dollar pictures 75 million dollar pictures not 250 300 million dollar movies yeah and with that one with Sidney Sweeney and and Glenn, what's his name? Anyone but anyone you. but you. It, it was like, well, there's one. Okay, that's a smaller budget picture, and it looks like it might do pretty decent. In, I want to talk about that one too when 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 you want to, because yeah, that's a, a really interesting one. But it seems to me that we're leaning not toward those smaller pic- smaller budget pictures like that, but more musicals. Yeah. And let me, yeah. Let's circle around to that, but let's talk about Anyone But You first for a second. because So Anyone But You is one of those movies that opened in that seven wide release movie pileup that happened between December 22 and December 25. Yeah. And you know there were so many films, uh, The Boys in the Boat and The Color Purple, and Wonka had opened on the 15th. Uh, you had so many movies uh, in the mix in that, uh, really Aquaman. in that final migration, Aquaman, uh, The Iron Claw. Let me just run them down real quick. So on December 22nd, Aquaman, Migration, Anyone But You, the film we're going to talk about in a second, and The Iron Claw Open. That was on a Friday. On Christmas Day, The Color Purple, The Boys in the Boat, and Ferrari opened. And I knew that it would take a while for the dust to settle. And Anyone But You opened with a mere $6 million. Well, in successive weeks, it kept building. Like a simple favor, I remember from years ago, it opened very modestly. Um, the Greatest Showman opened pretty modestly, and that was a December re- release as well. And then over time, just kept, in fact, it was it was going up in successive weekends based on. Now, by the way, I looked up the critics' scores on Anyone But You. Not great, but the audience score really high. It's a crowd pleaser. It's a hard R rating. No hard feelings early in the year. Both Sony films. No hard feelings in Anyone But You. Maybe we're getting the R-rated rom-com or raunchy comedy back, which has been really uh, marginalized, pushed to the side, has wound up more on straight-to-video than in theaters. But maybe there's there's a lot of change afoot in what people are responding to, musicals, international cinema, to have two Indian films and two Japanese films in the top 10 a few weeks ago. I've never seen that ever in the domestic, you know, in yeah. North America. Well, plus we're getting, you know, we got confirmation from the Academy that Godzilla Minus One is uh, is eligible for a Best Picture nomination. And, you know, it, it earned over 50 million, just past the 50 million mark uh, in the U.S. and Canada this past weekend on Sunday. And that's another movie that gives a lot of, I hate to say this term, but actionable intelligence. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> it's so, you know, that's such a... Well, your term, but it's true. And so studios should really look at that. But, you know, this to turn this tanker around to change to the audience taste and disregard sort of preconceived notions 
about what the audience wants could take some time, but I think it's a time to reevaluate what it is that audiences want. They want to go to the theater, but you have to give them a really good reason to go, especially when there's, you know, awesome shows on streaming. Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, going to your point about, uh, anyone but you gaining over time and, and, and getting some legs under it. Yeah. I'm 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 put in mind of the fact that Oppenheimer didn't go to streaming immediately after right. it came out of theaters. The the window for theatrical to streaming or cable or whatever on some things seems to have kind of expanded a little bit. Is there a possibility that theatrical windows might start going back to those longer sessions is like, well, you know, Hey, this one didn't do all that great in the first weekend, but let's, let's give it six weeks. Let's give it 10 weeks. You are brilliant. My friend, this is a brilliant (laughs) point. Um, not just saying that's true because the shortening of the windows was a result of the pandemic that obviously getting films in theater was a, a benefit and a luxury at that point, and then get them on streaming or go straight to streaming or simultaneous release. Now, when, like, in other words, like, remember back in the day, if a, if a new show on, on ABC didn't kill in the first week of ratings or the first two weeks, they'd cancel it. But if they yeah. hung in there, shows like, I don't know, Cheers or All in the Family, whatever, they would have never existed. And likewise, anyone but you, you look at a $6 million opening or Greatest Showman, which didn't open that great. You got to let these films marinate out in the marketplace for a bit. And I think you're right. I think that the, you know, dog ate my homework pandemic thing of we can shorten the windows may go back to a longer window and just with anyone but you in its second weekend, the box office for it went up 46%. In the third weekend, it went up 11%. This is unheard of, although it does happen with some movies. Mm -hmm. And then this past weekend, it dropped a mere 27%. So this past weekend was the only weekend that anyone but you, again, R-rated comedy, that it that it dropped, but it was very minimal, especially for a fourth weekend. Yeah. Well, and I think too the per, the 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 perception of streaming as a viable alternative has changed as well because the studios, <clears throat> for whatever reason, refuse to acknowledge the fact that streaming services are money losers. Yeah. The general public has glommed on to the fact that streaming there's too much streaming and it's and now with all of these streaming services now going back to an ad supported tier and now you have all of these fast channels I'm seeing an uh, an article here in Deadline uh the the number of channels and and what fast channels are for those of you who are not aware yet free ad supported television which is basically regular TV only it's right. now coming over the streaming and online <clears throat> pathway instead of over the air, you know, just just a broadcast. But now, you know, they're saying there's over 1,500 in the U.S. of these channels. There's, and we're getting to paralysis of choice where people are going to look at it and there's, well, there's nothing on TV. I'm not going to flip through 1,500 channels just to find something to watch. I'm it's gonna- sort of like that, uh, that old adage, you know, there's a... The, that restaurant's so crowded, nobody goes there anymore. Yeah. Yogi Berra, Berra-ism or Yogi-ism. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. And you make a great point. Another great point. I love this. Um, because what differentiates the movie theater always 
or how it was from the small screens that you might have ads at the beginning or trailers, but when the movie's going, there's going to be no interruption. So it was like, go to the movie theater. You don't get interrupted unless right. somebody in their seat is making noise or whatever. But now at home with streaming, same thing. You watch a movie all the way through. You weren't bombarded with ads. Well, now it's going back to sort of that broadcast model, albeit slightly changed. Sometimes they front load the ads. Yeah. Which to me is okay. You can mute it or whatever. But when it's interspersed throughout, it really takes away that advantage that some now not all streaming services do that, but that ad supported model. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I, but a lot of people like me, and not everybody wants to do this, I'll pay extra to not do that. But it's like you're paying, you know, like for first class or business, yeah. but you have to pay a premium for that adless experience. Well, and the other part of that too, I, we were watching uh, uh, Open Range here not too long ago, Kevin Costner and, and Robert yeah. Duvall. It's a Western and we were watching it. I want to say we were watching it on Hulu mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it had the commercials, but what irritated me more than the fact that there were commercials it was the points at which the commercials dropped uh, were yeah. so out of alignment with what was happening in the stories. Like that's a terrible place to put a commercial. Why didn't you put it here by the instead way, of here? How would you feel, Jason, if you're the filmmaker and the editor of that show? Yes, you've got your pacing, you're building all this stuff, and then a freaking ad comes yeah. in, yeah. destroys that. You know why? Because nobody's looking at that. They're, well, it's all it's AI like, driven. Every 15 minutes, it's an algorithm that like, let's put a commercial. Exactly. That is awful. That's almost worse than an airline version of a movie. It's just terrible to, to do that. And I haven't really thought about that, but you're right. It's like, that's... Well, and those of us... In episodic TV, traditional broadcast, you they would edit for the commercial. You have yep. the fade, you know... And the killer is bum, bum, bum. And then you go to commercial, then you come back. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that we've run into here with YouTube even is, you know, YouTube wants to put commercials in just wherever. And you're right. It's algorithm driven. And those of us who are monetized with channels, we have the ability to sit there and click a button and say, no, I will put the commercials where I want them. Thank you very much. But yeah. you got to go in on the back end. And actually, now that I'm thinking about this, I'm remembering I got to do that for these shows now. Um, but you've got to you've got to manually go in after the after the live stream has been processed and saved. And then you got to go back in and say, OK, drop it here, drop it here, drop it here. And then if you do any editing on the back end to try to trim it or anything, then it's got to be reprocessed again. There's a whole big rigmarole about doing wow. this stuff. But, That's not cool. But you're right. It, you know, I'm watching Open Range, and there's a there's a, a one in particular where you have this scene ends, and the next scene starts, and like 15 seconds into the next scene is they drop the commercial. Like, wait a minute, don't oh, do it, that. It's such it's a terrible. Weird thing. It's terrible. I see that all the time where yeah. it starts playing the next. So, in other words, if you were paying more, it would just keep playing. Then it realizes, oh. You didn't pay for non-ads for right. it. We're gonna. It, it just keeps going because it's forgetting about it or something, and then it goes back. It's yeah. It, and in fact, I have actually stopped watching shows because there's two. And then what they do is they space the commercial. They I don't know who they are, but they space the commercials more tightly towards the end with fewer, and then they repeat the same, same commercials. Line. Yes. Oh, which I think kills the whole uh, benefit of it. 
But if you're willing to, and I think this is what's, you know, when it says allow the, the streamer or the app or whatever to see your preferences mm. or uh, what you, you know, so they can get your information. Yeah. And I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I mean, but if you, but if you don't do that, it's like, they keep showing you just commercials for everyone that aren't necessarily for you Yeah, uh, that aren't. And, and by the way, tailoring ad messaging to the audience is really important. But they're not doing that in that case at no, all. No, they're not. And by the way, the only difference between conspiracy theories and conspiracies, actual conspiracies, is about three weeks, Paul. So you're okay you go. <laughs> if you want to have a conspiracy theory. Because eventually but, at but some it would point. Be like, it'd be like if you're a vegetarian, every minute there's every commercial break. Yeah. The beef council wants you. Like they right. got to really, uh, or vice versa. Not tailoring an ad does nobody any good. And in fact, it can alienate the viewer, in my opinion, and make you leave either the show or not go back to that platform. So yeah, it's pretty well. And, pretty and I've noticed this on, on shows. If we watch on the CW app, for example, um, they're, they're geared toward, uh, I guess the 45 year old single mom type, because mm -hmm. I get a lot of laundry soap ads and cleaning products and, yeah. and feminine hygiene. I'm like, I don't, I don't need yep. this in the middle of a Superman TV series. No, give me, give me something see, that's more can, appropriate to can, the, show it's it's so funny you can see what that network perceives as their demo yeah by just watching what commercials come up absolutely absolutely and they're and, they're hitting about what a 20 percent accuracy rate i don't know yeah. because <laughs> right <laughs> well it's almost almost as irritating as going to amc theaters and having to sit and watch nicole kidman sitting by herself in a theater talking about the theater experience are they still showing that? Yes, they are. And they actually auctioned off her suit that she's wearing in that. Wow. Like, why okay. are you, why are you, okay, you're talking about how great it is to go to the movies and have this shared experience and you're sitting in an There's empty movie person. theater. Well, Jason, if you go to an auto, like to a car lot right now, you'd be like, <laughs> look at all these cars yeah. that we have. I we have too many cars. You know, it's it's like, no, you want to have limited inventory so you can charge more. But, you know, highlighting the fact that no one else is in the theater. But I mean, their heart was in the right place. I, yeah. I presume, you know, hey, I'm a star. Go to the movie theater. Tom Cruise did a lot of that. Yeah. And so anyway, but yeah, that's very. But so let me ask you. you feel, yeah, oh, yeah go, go no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. You're going to ask. I was going to say, you know, there was that whole brouhaha over commercials. And I mean, real commercials before a movie. And, and in the beginning, you remember, they would take, they would upscale a regular TV commercial mm -hmm. and it would look like crap on that big screen. Then they started tailoring it a little more yeah. and that got a little better. So it's a little more, I guess, entertaining with the message coming through when it's tailor made for the movie theater, at least looks good. But, you know, and then the yeah. trailers, some people love having... 10 trailers before the movie <laughs> and for some it's you know not so much fun but it really is personal taste yeah uh we got a comment in the chat nicole kevin also tried to tell us how great eating bugs is <laughs> so, eating what eating bugs oh well, well I, didn't she didn't she also do something some kind of a perfume or something that nobody wants I don't know, uh, man. I don't, any... I don't buy perfume, but anyway, <laughs> so let me ask you this about the proliferation. Yeah. You go into the car lot. There's all these cars to see. Let me ask you this. We, we talk about how many films are coming out in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it too much? 
is it overloaded? Because some of these some of these films are probably going to be limited release. They're going to be smaller pictures. They're only going to be in theaters maybe one or two one or two right. weekends. Some of it's coming through Fathom events, so it's single night showings or screenings. But do we have too much all at once here? Because I'm just I'm just looking at the first three months, and there's, there's probably forty now, or fifty films that are coming out. Uh, you're you're right. And just to go back in time a little bit, the number of wide releases domestically. By domestic, for those of us, I mean, U.S. and Canada is the domestic market in terms of what we talk about at Comscore. Then the international is everything outside of that. And then global is everything together. But domestically in 2019, pre-pandemic year, there were 112 wide releases defined as movies that opened in over 2,000 theaters. Mm. So 112. In 2020, 32. I mean, look at that. one, And for obvious reasons. Sure. Very front-loaded year, uh, obviously, because theaters shut down on I'm trying, March 20, 2020, or something, you know, yeah. or March 13. It was the middle of March. And then in 2021, 67, up from 32 wide-release films in theaters. Uh, in 2022, 71, just up a, a handful. And then 2023, we went from 71 wide-releases in 22 to 95 in 23, and we saw the box office go up. Now, to your point, more movies is important. If you only have 50 films versus 100, your box office is going to be down. But what's the average box office of those films? Last year, it was really strong in, in 23. Just having more movies is important because we talk about product. I hate to call yeah. movies product. But yeah. when you're talking about the number of films, that's often what we say. And But they used to the studios used to say, we want an orderly release pattern. That was like a buzzword. And that's very important because you want to have a lot of films because that drives box office. But man, you bunch them all together and depending on the genres and all that. It, it, and you're right. It's it's not for a lack of product or a lack of movies in 24. But man, that, that release counter is packed with films, which could be a good thing. It's it's a sort of a conundrum or, a yeah. you know. Well, and uh, then you have uh, the movie yeah. theaters having to decide, okay, well, if, if, this, if this theater... Or if this if this particular film does well the first couple of weekends, okay, the, it's a contender. We can keep hold of it. But if yeah. you get something like any anyone but you that starts off soft, and then you know maybe starts picking up steam, yeah. and suddenly right there in the middle of all of that they pull it. Yeah. Well, what potential did you just kill? Well, that's a whole part of the industry that I don't work directly in, but there's this, you know, there, there, there's trailer placement that goes on theater checking, making sure the trailers are shown. There are certain terms that are arranged with studios between studios and theaters where a movie has to play for a certain number of weeks in the big theater and then can move to the smaller uh, house or whatever, the smaller screen. Um, but the good thing about the dynamic windowing is that where it used to be a hard and fast rule, like, for the movie has to be in theater for 90 days. Mm -hmm. It's good to have dynamic windowing because hopefully it means that a movie that isn't doing well in the theater isn't doing the theater any good and nor is it doing the studio any good. Right. So pulling it or putting it in a reduced number of theaters and then having it available at home is a great move. But for a film like anyone but you, if they thought, well, it's going to do X amount of dollars, it'll earn 80% of its box office in the first two weeks and then they'll... they'll uh, uh, limit the run or, you know, lessen the number of theaters with a night towards a, a streaming release. Well, anyone, but you, you kind of want to keep in there. Um, and so that's the beauty of it. And if st studios and exhibitors work 
very closely together on this and the dynamic windowing does like you talked about earlier could lead to longer windows but also i think it's good to tailor the number of theaters around the ongoing success or lack thereof of a particular film it's a very efficient way to do things rather than a plug and play 90 days no matter what you got to keep it in there keep it on the big screen no matter what movie comes out that doesn't help anyone right do you think we're going to get a lot more musicals this year i mean Wonka, we have wonka uh barbie wasn't really a musical it had, right. a, it had a couple of things in there but you've got wonka you've got uh color purple um yeah taylor swift beyonce yeah. you know the concert oh, even, the concert movies and now we're getting an adaptation movie. of big river that's coming yeah. here soon so and even that, like you know you made a good point there i mean without maybe necessarily meaning to but you brought up uh the taylor swift which is a music film it's not a musical per se but you know maestro uh you know uh, these films that ha are music oriented if you will mm -hmm. can do very very well but it really you know when is this when is a movie a movie when is a movie not a mo movie musical when the studio mm -hmm. says it isn't <laughs> well, so it's you know yeah they're running but i'm telling you man wicked wicked's gonna be huge in late november you Universal's know, wicked. I'm curious. I had I was struck by a thought this morning, and I haven't had a chance to research it. But I I wonder if we're starting to trend into musical territory a little bit more because we're on the brink of World War Three. Because we had a lot of musicals in the '40s, in the late '40s. That's right. And. The MGM I, musicals. I'm curious to see how that how that correlates. Uh, I'm I, I'm 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 thinking, you know, brink of war. Let's sing a song. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that escapism. Well, you, you bring up a great point because uh, you know, in the post-war period, uh, and even during the uh, World War II and all that, um, movies were a huge bit of relief for people, and they used yeah. to keep the movie theaters open 24 hours a day. My old boss, he. He, he was born in 1912 and he's, you know, he's passed away, obviously. Well, not obviously, but he, well, yeah. Um, but he used to talk about vaudeville and, and then when the candy counters came in, that was a new thing back then into the theaters and then having the movies playing in the theaters, they, he said they would open the doors and get out of the way because people were rushing in when they could barely afford to buy bread. A lot of people, especially during the great depression, Movies have always offered a two hour or an hour and a half respite from the outside world. And that's another big key uh, benefit to the movie theater, especially if you're not on your phone mm -hmm. and not checking your emails and not during the movie. And I think you're right. I, I, I think that movies have always offered that. Also, one thing that I think gets lost a lot is I'm a sound guy. I'm really I, I, I did some recording engineering. I love that. Think about I mean, unless you have a killer stereo in your house or a killer home theater for most, you know, for a lot of people, when they go to the movie theater, they're going to hear the sound, not just the audio. I mean, the uh, dialogue and the sound effects, but when that music swells up in yeah. a great musical, it it's a game changer in terms of that experience. So I think, yes, we're going to see more. The trick is which movies are going to lean into being musicals. Cause on our calendar, there's not that many that are, uh, defined as a musical by their studio. Right. But there's a lot of movies in there. I mean, they could have marketed Barbie as a musical. 
you know, I could, you could create a trailer that makes Barbie look like a horror movie or Oppenheimer look like a comedy, uh, you know, that all comes into play. Um, so yeah, I think you're right though. There, I think the escapist component in an election year and all that really comes into play for everyone. And I think we're going to see more, not necessarily more musicals because they have to produce them. Right. So the, I mean, you could, by the end of the year, produce one that's not even in the can yet. Uh, but I think it'll be important how they market those films, whether they, they they agree with you that, hey, musicals really represent an escapist fair. Yeah. And uh, let's lean into that. Well, because, you know, recently, you know, a couple of years, how, how long ago was, was West Side Story from Spielberg? Was yeah, that, that, was, was, that was, and that was, that was one that really, right? was so much more expected of it. Yeah. Uh, that then what happened, I, it was during, you know, it was during a, a little bit of a different period, uh, at the, you know, in terms of the pandemic, I'm going to look it up here. I, but I if, got my years mixed up. But, well, while you're doing that, because if, if oh, Wonka, yeah. if Wonka has done well, Mean Girls has done well, you know, you know how Hollywood machine works. Oh, yep. Hey, these made money. Let's make 12 more of them. So maybe Let's 2025. Uh, that could be 2025 could be the year of the musical while we're, while we're throwing nuclear uh, missiles at each other. <laughs> don't say that, Jason. I don't <laughs> want to hear that. Um, West side story opened December 10, 2021. So okay. to yep. give a little uh, credit to West side story, I mean, it, it wound up with 38 and a half million domestic 76 didn't crack a hundred million worldwide, but that was a very different marketplace. I think that was the year like right after that Spider-Man no way home came out and made, mm you know, open with 261 million. So yeah. that was a pretty, you know, very different result for that film. How do you think Madam Webb's going to do? Well, I mean, I, I just think that, well, I need to look that one up. <laughs> Cause this is the new one from Sony. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It you know, opens, it's Sydney uh, Sweeney and, and uh, shoot, I don't even remember who's doing that. And the, it opens the on uh, your favorite holiday, Valentine's day. Yeah. <laughs> which is weird. Yeah, it's Dakota Johnson, Mike Epps. Yeah, yeah. Emma Roberts. Yeah, that one looks really interesting. Based now, on a comic graphic novel, according to our stuff, Marvel comic spinoff. I love these yeah. uh, categories that, that Comscore puts us into. Yeah, because it's part of that. Yeah. It's, car, it's part of Sony's Spider-Man universe. And of course, Tom Holland being Spider-Man for Sony and Marvel, he's not in it, right. but there's always that potential at some point that Spider-Man shows up in these things because, you know, you've got Madam Web, you have Venom, you have, um, right. uh, I think there was another one that they've been working on. And yeah. and so now, well, Carnage, you've got the Carnage movie. So you've got this 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 potential, and then of course with the success of anyone but you, Sydney Sweeney's star is on the rise, and she's in it. So you could you could you could capitalize. I think that on looks that. good. I mean, look, it really depends on how the fans once they see it, what they think, and critics too. Uh, I think getting innovative, creating new characters or spinoffs is good if it works. Yeah. And I don't think anyone has a bias against any movie uh, just on its on its cast or storyline or where it came from it's just the movie better deliver especially when you have a huge brand like that but you're right sydney sweeney is really hot right now that could play in its favor the the you know the valentine's day release date who knows could be like the the perfect date movie so <laughs> i think that one could do well i think it yeah. could do well but th there is a lot of uh, uh 
you know, reticence or fear, I should say, when it comes to superhero movies. And Deadpool, I think, is going to be massive, by the way. Um, but you're right. It, it, I think we need a break from some of the, mar- you know, even uh, Iger, I believe, said, you know, we're going to slow down a little bit and make right. fewer of these and slow down on the small screen side. Because I think it just got too complicated, too much homework. You know way more about Marvel and all that than, and, and the superhero genre than I do, Jason. But I think it was just too much. I mean, it was yeah. and too complicated and inorganic storylines that would have been better served with a great script, great directing and all that. So, and they're learning, you know what? I've always said it, the most powerful people in Hollywood are who? The audience, because they're going to tell you with their presence or absence if they like what you're selling. Well, and I saw recently saw an interview uh, uh, talked about with Tatiana Maslany, who's the lead in She-Hulk. And they were talking about a potential season two for that show. And she's like, I don't think it's going to happen because we blew our budget. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, what do you expect? If you're doing a a series that stars She-Hulk, you're going to be doing a lot of visual effects because that character, if you know anything about the character, and this is the question of whether, whether these people even understand the source material or not. But She-Hulk, that particular character, she likes being She-Hulk. You know, it's not like Bruce Banner is kind of angsty about it and doesn't want to be the Hulk. She embraces it because She-Hulk is big, sexy, feminine energy, right? And I was like, what did you expect going into this that you're, yes, it's going to be a CG fest because that's what happens. But, But it does kind of indicate maybe like what you're talking about, maybe they're looking at numbers and saying, you know, we're kind of spending too much on these things. We need to dial it back a little bit. That's, but that's the inherent, not limitation, but an inherent issue. I don't know what word to put on it, but of superhero movies in general is that can't really do them on the cheap. Yeah. Even if a movie like kick-ass, which was kind of lo-fi compared to the, you know, Marvel and DC, Whereas horror movies, which have been doing very, very well, generally you don't have to break the bank yeah. to to make them truly scary and great. I mean, just look at Smile or uh, the Black Phone and different films like that, or or the you know the the uh, Megan even, although I'm sure that was a little bigger budget. But with sci-fi, man, I don't know how unless you're John Carpenter and you're doing with the pie plates and and well, all that. <laughs> It's really hard to do that inexpensively, and if it's CGI heavy... Yeah, but I'm also wondering if Victoria Alonso not being at Marvel anymore, I wonder if that improves things, because we got... as After, after she was let go from Marvel, we got a lot of stories talking about how Marvel, as a, as a business entity, as a creative studio, would be all over the map in terms of their asks for the CG studios that they were working with. A lot of visual effects houses said, oh, I don't want to work with Marvel anymore. They can't make up their mind. They don't have a plan. They're always asking us for, for options they can choose from. It's like, no, storyboard what's going to happen. Tell the visual effects house, this is the shot that I want. Let them build it and then do it. Don't Don't say, don't tell the visual effects guys, give me six angles of this so I can pick which one looks the best. Because well, there's a ton of extra work that just sits there lying dormant that never gets used because the people in charge at Marvel can't make up their minds. Well, that's that's a great point because I know in the process of what little knowledge I have of it, because of digital, because of the cloud, 
because of the LED light sources that they can put behind to create uh, the show, like just by moving things around and create an entire environment. It's really quite fascinating and amazing technologically. They can literally shoot everything. It's not like where you were shooting on 35 millimeter film back in the day. And if you even right. just printed 15 minutes, you were spending a ton of money and the resources were somewhat limited and you had to reload the magazine. You had to do all this stuff. Now it's just like, like with your iPhone, you could shoot for days if you had the, you know, a terabit or what terabyte and I or think terabit of memory in your phone. So I think that while the technology has created a lot of, uh, uh, or, or has enabled a lot of creative freedom because you just keep going and going it also creates a lot of overload, a lot of excess. Yes. Again, I'm not a filmmaker, so no, I don't pretend. It does. It does. I, I have been on crews for reality TV, for example, where we'll shoot all day. And the cameras will run all day. And you have two cameras running all day. And you get all of this material, all of this footage of all of this stuff that never gets used because in, in those particular cases, you take the nuggets and you're building the narrative out of pieces and parts right. and whatnot. But with, you're right with, with film one, I've, I've said a number of times, one of the reasons why star Wars works is because Gary Kurtz was there to tell George, we can't do that. We don't have the money to do that. You got to figure out a way to do it. Yeah. I think that, that creativity has to have constraints on it in order to to be creative. You can't just sit there and go, well, let's just roll the cameras and see what happens. You have to have that plan, but you have to have the limitation that says, we only have so much money to spend. We can only do X and so amount. And, and you're right. That lack of that lack of limitation on the resources you have when you go when you're shooting digital, Oh, we can just we can just go and do it however long yeah. we do, and you end up with twenty you know twenty hour days because you've shot ninety two takes of a scene instead of yeah. three. You know, get it in the can and, and go to the next one. You're right, and and I I didn't realize that. I mean, I I truly I mean I, I have no problem saying this. I watch a lot of reality TV. <laughs> I won't name which ones, and. Uh, the editors, my hats off to them. Oh, I honestly, yeah. they must pour through, like you just said, 24 hours of footage times two, three, four, however many cameras, trying to build a narrative that you can, it's sort of like cinema verite, you know, on steroids. It uh, is. Those reality it is. Shows. It is. Bad. I, I would not want to be an editor on a reality show. Oh my God. They deserve every, pen. first of all, having to suffer through some of that. Right. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, having to, you know, get it from the producer's the narrative or which characters they're going to highlight. I mean, it really is. They're like the unsung heroes. Even if you don't like the show, uh, being an editor and certainly everyone on those shows, they work their tails off yeah. and it's, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, obviously with the strikes, a lot has come to the forefront about should reality show stars in particular be part of, you know, the, the compensation, but that's uh, of for another show. But but when talking about a, a, a traditional film, to shoot it with endless, with the idea, like you said, of just endless uh, resources, mm -hmm. and mainly in the form of, you could just keep shooting and shooting. And now with the cloud, it used to be, you couldn't just shoot forever because the cost of putting all that footage on a server was crazy. Yeah. Now in the cloud, from what I, everything I know, all that footage you just talked about that they shoot 
or any big studio film or TV show is in the cloud. Every foot of every image, they don't delete it. It's all there somewhere. Well, it's just like uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. He edits it. He edits it at home and uploads it for for the gang at Warner Brothers to take a look at uh, uh, online. <coughs> it was actually kind of cool. And I mean, that's got to make it yeah. very quick. But, you know, the old days of Robert Evans sitting in the screen. And, All right. Roll the yeah, right. <laughs> roll the footage. There's Come a, here, a couple. Of <laughs> there's a story. <laughs> you, talk, gone. You, you talk about the limitations that used to be in place that are not anymore. There's a story from uh, 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 um, The Good Wife starring Diane Keaton. Uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy, the director. There's a scene in the in the courtroom where she has to just just emote uh, while she she's testifying on the stand in court. And they go through and they shoot this thing, and it's real emotional. And she's just, I mean, putting everything into her performance. And they get through the whole thing, and the camera crew realizes that they've got outdoor film in the camera with their shooting indoors and brilliant performance from Diane Keaton. And it's like, Oh crap. We have to reshoot this whole thing now. And she's got to do it all over again because we had the wrong film, the camera. And that is like, um, in raging bull, you know, the scene, the tracking shot all the way into the ring. Right. That's the second take. I think they did it. And the film hadn't registered in the, in the sprocket. Oh, a heartbreak of that. And that's happening. You know, there's countless examples. I remember as a kid, I, I had, cause I'm old, I had 35 millimeter camera and you had to put it in the sprocket and wind it in. Yeah. I remember yeah. I had a big school project. I'll make this really quick. It didn't load onto the sprocket. Ooh. I shot all this stuff, sent it, and then I opened the back of the camera. It was never on this, on the wheel. So nothing, it didn't yeah. exist. Didn't yeah. Didn't shoot it. But that's a different era now. If as long, but though digital, you know, there was a, documentary i think visions of light or something like that great documentary that said we don't know what's going to happen with digital in 50 or 100 years you have all this footage and i'm not talking about the cloud i'm talking about like servers and even the cloud i guess you know if you go find an old film cam with some old footage you can restore it if unless it's nitrate film Mm -hmm. and it's burned up but if it's other you can actually restore it if you go to the digital representation of that movie it goes click and there's nothing yep you literally as i know it yep. there's no way to recover that so there's benefits and downside to all this technology and and like you said with that example putting out that performance it must have been heartbreaking to tell her hey well you have to do that again nimoy went and bought her a dozen roses and went to her trailer and apologized profusely and said, we've got to do it over again. I'm so sorry. Imagine Natalie yeah. Portman in the, uh, what was the movie? Um, you know, where they shaved her head, they had to do that one take. Yeah. And like, yeah. V for Vendetta. For, yeah. It, which, uh, say again, it was V for Vendetta. Yeah. V for Vendetta. Yeah. They did that. They did that in one take. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, wait. Yeah. We didn't get that. <laughs> or stripes. I think when they do the scene where they shave John Candy's head and everybody, you know, all the Bill Murray, they had to do that like then, and even I think uh, Full Metal Jacket, they had a scene like that. That's where you definitely want to make sure that the film is loaded and it's the right film. Yeah, and in those cases, that's when you have more than one camera rolling at a, at a time, so you can see, exactly. make sure you got coverage. So. Yeah, it's like a big stunt when they're shooting a big stunt. They have like so much coverage because some of those are a one-off. Yeah. So. So is there one uh, one or two films in particular that you're really chomping at the bit to see? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm 
Deadpool for me is one that I'm really interested in because I love those movies. And uh, so you're a big I'm Taylor Swift th- fan then? What's that? So you're a big Taylor Swift fan then? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a rumor, a rumor that she's I, in it. Oh, is that right? Well, you're playing you know, Dazzler. there's some box office there. Yeah. And uh, the bike riders actually looks really cool to me. I haven't heard of uh, that one. Yeah, that's the biker movie with uh, our, the, the Elvis uh, is in it. And it looks, and uh, let me tell you this cast. So it's the bike riders. I don't know. I guess I'm nervous being on your show. I can't, I, I know this. So it's a focus features film. It comes out in June. And that one to me, if you haven't seen the trailer and, and the fact that, so, so it's Tom Hardy, Austin Butler, Michael Shannon, Boyd Holbrook. Hmm. And it's a drama. It's about a motorcycle gang. It's based on a novel. That one, see, that's one that's kind of under the radar, but I saw the trailer for it. So the bike riders for me and then Wicked, uh, I don't know. I'm not, look, I like musicals when they work for me, (laughs) which you never know. And that's the thing about musicals, but Wicked looks really amazing. Deadpool, Dune 2, I'm interested in. Ballerina could be very interesting. Um, but, there, you know, there's going to be those, you know, there's a smile sequel. And I love horror movies. How about you? I'm going to put you on the spot. What What are you looking forward to? I, I'm I'm very, very interested in Dune Part 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious about Madam Web. I'm not looking yeah. forward to it so much to say, okay, well, show me what you got. Mm-hmm. Um, I am looking forward to Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Yeah, I am too. Um, yep. Godzilla minus one minus color. <laughs> uh, I, I will be going to see that. I, I don't know yeah. about Godzilla Kong. I didn't see the other one. I guess I need to go yeah. see it and then go go see the new one. Um, but yeah, those, those are my big ones, at least for the first three months. I, I haven't looked at the schedule for the rest of the year, but I know we've got Last Airbender coming out. There's There's a number of other things that are that are in there's the a, works, but there's a Beetlejuice two and a Transformers oh, that's right. that's one. Right. Yeah. That's coming out this year too, isn't it? Yeah. Lots you've got of a stuff. lot of ones and twos, Transformers one, Beetlejuice two, yep. inside out two, uh, <laughs> wicked part one. I love these numbers. Kung Fu Panda four. You remember, you remember when they made a movie and it was just the movie and it was like an hour and a half long. And then the story was completely told and it was done. Yeah. Like John wick one. Yeah. John Wick one was like that. And then John Wick four is twice, twice as much. Yeah. Let me, ask, the let me ask you this because rebel moon part two will be coming at some point. Rebel moon mm-hmm. part one was out. I, I made a note in my, in my review rebel moon does in an hour and 44 minutes, what the magnificent seven did in 42 minutes. Yeah. It is such an overblown, drawn out snooze fest for me. I I was watching. I was like, when? (laughs) Okay, we're getting all these people together. I get it. We're doing Magnificent Seven more than any of the rest of the the stuff that he's doing. Zach, man. It's Zach Snyder. So, but get on with it. (laughs) I was just like, well, that's also the thing about it used to be that movie theater movies, well, they were always like, you had epics back in the day, movies that were three, Spartacus and you know, Gone with the Wind and all these movies that were yeah. like super long, but they had or Gandhi and they had an intermission. Yeah, Lawrence and Arabia. And then on streaming, you have unlimited bandwidth of time, but then you have Killers of the Flower Moon that's three and a half hours, Oppenheimer at 315. And again, 
I don't care if a movie's long, if it's really good. Yeah. Brian De Palma's Scarface, I think it's around three hours. It goes like that, you know? Yeah. Once I, Upon a Time in Hollywood was a pretty long movie. I loved it, you know? But but then there's movies where you're like, this movie would have been better served at 90 minutes. Yes. So it really or, depends on the movie. So, and and the fact is, you know, I've seen a number of reviews about, about it saying, you know, I know, you know, Zach's got the director's cut that's coming. And people are looking at it, so why even bother with with doing two versions of it? You can, and I know Netflix wanted the PG-13 and right. and the traffic with that, but then you get this this almost a bastardized version of what actually is the story. And I was re- watching a couple of things. And like, I can see where the stuff got cut out. You know, it's, well, it's, it's almost perfect- really noticeable, the pieces that are missing that'll come well, out in the director's follow up to your, that's a perfect follow up to your earlier point of having too many resources, the ability of unlimited bandwidth, both yep. in terms of technology, streaming platform bandwidth, meaning you could have a, a hundred hour show. You could have, I mean, a movie that's, well, I'm just kind of making that up, but like you could do anything on streaming, but then also creatively, that means if it's super long, people are inevitably going to not watch it all at once. They're yep. going to pause it. They're going to, you know, take their time with it, which is, I guess, part of the experience. But wow, just like that, we've had an hour of time and it, yeah. it just feels like 10 minutes. Well, and it makes it makes me wonder what um, who made who made sleep the eight hours uh, Campbell oh. Campbell soup, Campbell soup pictures. Oh, crap. I just my brain just went. Wait, sleep. Um, what was his name? Help me out. Andy Warhol. Wait, that... Andy Warhol. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I wonder what Andy Warhol would have done with streaming. Well, you might be looking at the phone book for two hours, just <laughs> right. statically sitting there. And that's I mean, the genius of Warhol. Remember that Frankenstein movie he made, I think? Or uh, there was some trippy... Well, he, uh, did a, he did an eight-hour movie called Sleep, I believe, that was just yeah, eight hours well, of just... him sleeping. Which would have been perfect for the for the for the for Twitch. I mean, Amaranth over there doing a doing a sleep stream, and you just sit there and, and watch her sleep for that's six art, hours. man. It's, that's it's art. So ridiculous. Don't ju- sleep. <laughs> you just sleep while you watch it, and you know. But yeah, it's very well. The factory, you know, the Andy Warhol's factory and the yeah. avant-garde films and all that stuff. Maybe it was Frankenstein or Dra- I forget. He did a riff on that, but yeah, pretty fascinating. Yeah. European filmmakers, obviously, uh, some brilliance there as well, but also a lot of indulgence. Which, hey, I don't judge. I couldn't do it, so my hat's Wait, off to every filmmaker, mean, every editor, where, every where actor. Not, we're not going to get Paul de Garabedian's kitchen, or, no. or Paul well, de, Paul de Garabedian's, uh, uh sleep. I started making. I started <laughs> making pizza recently in a pizza oven, so. We just have 10 hours of that there. You know, know, I, I, that would work and you have to do it. Dragon scale size. Uh, have, have you seen this? No, there is a, and I, I have to, I'd have to pull it up. I can't, where did I see it? Yeah. Let me see if I can pull this up. Dragon scale size. You look at not dragon scale size, dragon scale layout. So basically you take the layout. Sorry. (laughs) You take the pizza yeah. And the the entire pizza is covered in pepperoni slices that overlap kind of like chain mail. Oh. 
only it's dragon scale, you know, because it looks delicious. like the scale, the scales of a dragon. This whole pizza is covered in pepperoni. I can't well, now I know wait to next, do it. Now I know what my next show is going to be. It's going to be the, the dragon style box office pie. There you go. Speaking of shows, Paul has a couple of uh, podcasts. Well, I have one now. I, I have just the uh, mini screens, big picture. Okay. The Ticket to ride. We're going to maybe bring that back in some form. I, I need an editor. Uh, so we're, you know, it's been a, a, a minute since I've done a podcast, but I, you know, I'm on all the socials and, but, but definitely I'll have more news for you on the podcast front at some point in the future. But I figured 2024 time to rethink that. But yeah. mainly for me, Jason, it's about talking to the press. I did a today show piece uh, earlier in the week talking about movie musicals on air. That was really fun. So I, I love talking to you this is my life, man. And, yeah. and I love combining like you do the love of the content with the business side and the numbers. So it's really, really fun. Well, and you recently won an award too. Let's congratulate you on that. Oh, the, thank the you. It's Al a, it Shapiro this, Distinguished Service Award, Service at, Show award at Show East, the movie convention. I was very honored to get that in, in a long line of really great people. I, I was humbled and, and really happy to get that award. And now I can just show that to, to my friends and family every week and go, I got an award. <laughs> well, you need to have it hanging right there over your shoulder there. Oh, I so do. Go, I actually, is it back? It is it back oh, there? It's right there. It's right there. Okay. All right. <laughs> Next well, to the voltmeter. Well, can I see, Oh, I, I see. A, yeah, that's very, very cool. Check this out. I have a voltmeter that my dad had and a Robert Oppenheimer, Amer American Prometheus, the book about J. Bo Robert. Oh yeah. The book. That's very cool. I've well, got, go. um, I don't know if you can see, let's see, where am I? See, I've got a bunker too, you know. Yeah, you've got a bunker. Well, we've got, uh, and you can see probably behind, uh, let me see if we see it. Well, you can't see it behind uh, where Todd was sitting. But I've got a number of old uh, video decks back there, uh, three-quarter oh, inch so and beta. Cool. And they still work. Of course, I don't have What any. do you mean? Oh, you mean um, actual, the, the hardware? Yeah, the video, video, uh, video player machines. Yeah. Oh, man, I have a reel-to-reel -reel tape deck down in my living room, an old TAC. 1974 Ooh, yes. TIAC, and oh, it works. Those, those things were built to last, I tell you. I bought it brand new in the box 10 years ago. Anyway, we could go on, but <laughs> right. I, I don't want to bore your audience with all our stuff. No, that's okay. That's that's all right. We can do that. We'll we'll do that next next time you come on. And we can and do we'll that. Do we can do like show and tell. Yeah, that'll work. You know, what's yeah. in your bunker? You know, that's a, that's a, that's an idea. All right. Paul DeGarabedian from Comscore. Thanks very much for being here for, uh, for this hour. Jason, and you're the best, you man. Back. Thank you. So that hour went by like that. Like that. And right. I'm, and I'm very gratified and happy that you are uh, willing to slum it with us after being on the Today Show. So <laughs> uh, come on. This is just as good better even all right so great to talk to you jason all right thanks uh stick around have for a just a second one, i friend. do have i do have a question for you off off camera for those of you who are still with us uh you can check us out on all of our socials uh we are going to wrap up today because uh, i gotta i gotta head out so no third hour today but we will be back tomorrow uh with uh our next episode uh, Lee Romare will be our guest in the second hour. He is an animatronics expert, and we're going to be talking about lots of different things on that front. Five Nights at Freddy's among those topics. And then on uh, Friday, we will have open line all day. Uh, so you can join us for that 
as well. So that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Let me get to the thing. It's not going to let me do the thing. Why is it not let me do the thing? It just froze up on me again. There it is. All right. That's it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Remember, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2024, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.